You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. And Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. We've got Cody Martin today. Uh, we've been going through these player evaluations. Don't have too many left. We have Devontae Graham still left to go. Wow. We have... Marvin and MKG, who's going to be a combo episode? Yeah, we're going to do a combo one mainly because it makes more sense to do it because they're no longer really on the team anymore. Yeah, we have Malik Monk still to go, which would be a good one. And we also have Caleb Martin. I fought for Cody to have his own individual episode. And so that's exactly what we're going to do today. And then Caleb might get like an episode and a half with some other NBA content. We may, there. we may throw in Ray Spaulding. If you <laughs> you brought up Ray Spalding entirely too much, like you brought him up, I, I was for, I forget what pot it was, but we were talking about exactly what kind of run these younger guys might get. You brought up Ray Spalding, and Spalding. I think you just like his name. Uh, well, yes, I do. Who Is there a problem the with that, Walker? Anyway? Spalding? Yeah, like literally, Ray Spalding. I like his name, and also like there was some hype. Now, granted, the Atlanta From Hawks you? fans. Yeah, for, for a little bit. Okay. Like small ball center. I, I can't be hi- hyped about a possible small ball center when there's like no center on this team right now. All right. If you want to get ha- hyped about Spalding, I just always think about the love and basketball line. Who are you going to the dance oh, with anyway? Geez. Spalding? How Who's dare you? Who's Spalding? Yeah, come on. Let's get, let's get to talking <laughs> that's about That's the only one that I can. Uh, that's the only thing I think of, oh, of course. when I think of Ray Spalding. Let's talk about Cody Martin. Um, Cody Martin is a good basketball player. Not a, I like what he did for the Hornets this season. I think absolutely outperformed expectations. And we can get into some of the narrative stuff here in the second segment, but he was not a welcomed second round pick despite oh. what he did this year. Um, you either by, uh, by either like of us, no, right? No, we did not like the Cody Martin pick. But let me go by the numbers for you. So in 48 games mm-hmm. that Cody Martin played this season, he averaged 18.8 minutes per contest. Mm-hmm. He averaged five points per game. He shot 43% from the field. Mm-hmm. He shot 23.4% from beyond the arc, mm-hmm. which is the thing that he's going to need to fix. He shot almost uh, 65% from the charity stripe. Mm-hmm. He averaged two assists per game, 3.3 rebounds per game, and he did not even average one turnover per game. Um, he also shot, by the way, 55% from, uh, the, uh, from his uh, two-point field goals, I should say. So... Those are the numbers for Cody, and I want to they dive in a little bit deeper to some of the other things that he did when you kind of go through some of the splits that basically I created that are kind of arbitrary, but so be it. This is some of the stuff that I liked. That they I have to listen mention. to us anyway, right? They have to. So Cody Martin had a five-game stretch. Like, so the thing about Cody Martin is mm-hmm. he needs to work on his outside shot. I just mentioned how bad his percentage was from beyond the arc. So yes. Cody Martin had a five-game stretch leading into February where he hit a three in those five consecutive games, and he shot 46% on over two attempts a game in that little stretch the last couple of games of January leading into February. Small sample size, but it's good to see him um, get a little bit more confident. You look at those last eight games after the 40-point blowout to Indiana when the Hornets started competing and even beating a lot of those teams that we constantly talk about. You look at those 
last eight games after they just got destroyed by Indiana, Cody Martin averaged 30 minutes a game in those last eight contests. He did. He averaged seven and a half points per game. He averaged 4.6 assists per game, five rebounds per game. He shot over 51% from the field, even if he only shot 29% from three. Mm -hmm. He had a game against Denver in that two-point loss. He had seven assists. He had nine assists in that win against Houston. And the defensive impact was there as well, making bad decisions against Atlanta late uh, when they lost that one contest. But overall, very good defensively. That's where his calling card is. Now, do you look at what he did this season and it put him on the map as far as being one of the better second-round players and even one of the sneaky good rookies overall this season when you look at everybody that played in the NBA in their first year? No, he was one of the more interesting rookies that we saw this year. He's Again, at this point, he's now become that guy that you expect like he's also kind of helped set the tone that we now expect some sort of production from our second rounders now at this point because of what he's done Devonte graham has done and i just remember like when mitch drafted him and he said i have an idea that cody martin can play the point and i believe he said that right after he was drafted if i'm not mistaken yeah. where he had some visions of cody martin playing the point and Lo and behold, I scoffed at it. I remember you scoffing at it. I think we all scoffed at it. Well, I just, yeah, I just didn't like the pick. No, I we didn't like the pick. Gone somewhere else. Yeah, we were like, how dare you think that Cody Martin can fit in something that we that we don't necessarily see? And Cody Martin actually turns out to be a half decent point backup point guard, and he ends up it, he did a lot more than I thought, and I thought that shot was broken. I thought he wasn't reliable on that shot. His shot is not completely reliable. But I, while you were talking, I was looking up the stats for him in G League, and he shot 40% from three. Like, yeah, there's, there's a chance that his shot does develop. And if his shot develops, you're talking about, dare I say, a Rajah Bell type. And if you have a Rajah Bell type and you have him under a super low contract number, that becomes an asset also. Well, I, I mentioned that he was kind of put on the map with his play, getting all of this opportunity. I mean, we can go all the way back to one of the early games against Golden State, and he plays less than five minutes. Doesn't even get a full five minutes in that one, but mm -hmm. yet comes up with some key plays really defensively at the end of that one to beat the Golden State Warriors. And what happens after that is he gets 30 minutes yep. against the Indiana Pacers. Um, it was at, uh, yeah, it was... 30 minutes it was 33 minutes that he got right after that because he played so well he got 11 rebounds three assists in that one but all with zero points too in those 30 minutes against indiana and so i think that's when we were really introduced to cody martin as oh, okay he's really good defensively certainly came up with some big plays there to continue to go on the evaluation process of this i, I mentioned this and doug mentioned this a lot and we kind of came to the same conclusion immediately with him man pretty crazy to see how much more confidence he gained with the basketball in his hands as the season went on. Yeah. He was scared to death to shoot that basketball and even kind of force some offense on his end. He wanted to, he wanted to play hot potato. He was just there to provide a lot of effort and especially defensively um, and already showed some instincts pretty immediately defensively, but he improved so rapidly on the offensive end, just feeling more comfortable because yeah. he was so scared, Nada, and I thought that was pretty noticeable. And he did so even just going into November and December, like before we even got to the midway point, I thought that he already made some real strides being comfortable within an NBA offense. No, he did make a lot of real strides, but the like, like you said, he wasn't really, like he was nervous to shoot the ball. You had 
at points where people were just doing self-check, like, yo, you, you're out there. We know that you're only going to drive in here. We're not going to bother to guard you at the perimeter. And once he started getting the ball in his hands a little bit more, once he started understanding the offense and what Borrego started asking him to do, like, that's the thing that I just remember is, like, that light came on for him fairly quickly. And once it started to come on, and it wasn't, like, automatic light switch. We're talking more dimmer switch. Like, so we're talking about the light slowly coming on, coming <laughs> on, and then it's a full exposure for that light. Ugh. And then he basically, he once he started getting it, that's when he started seeing the counting numbers come on. And this kid's just a hooper, man, for real. Give me a dimmer any day of the week, by the way. I love me a dim <laughs> switch, man. Like, I, I, what's funny is when I moved in my apartment, I realized that I had a dimmer switch in the kitchen. I use that all the time. I will install, once I finally am a big boy and get my own house, I will have dimmer switches all over the place. Dimmer switches are so good because they save on power, and you can have lights on just so much and it saves you so much money on the oh, power and, bill. and think about how seductive it is man as soon as you walk into a room and very might be true a little low lit sets very, the mood immediately upon walking very in. true i mean it literally you just get some marvin Gaye and the dimmer switch and you're good i kind of like that as a nickname for cody martin the dimmer switch if you will i don't know <laughs> if it makes sense but no no it does because he can slowly turn out your lights on offense um okay okay we'll try to make it work but the dimmer switch is who we're going to continue to evaluate i mentioned him being on the map a couple times zach Lowe was one of those guys that yes. referenced him in a couple of pieces that he wrote. One was in the 10 things I like and don't like about the NBA, which is that weekly article that he comes out with every single year and uh, the weekly one during the NBA season. And so this is what he writes about Cody Martin. And I think this was, I don't know, was it March? I didn't check this the date is, This on was it, like was, February or March. I yeah, it, it was something late, I think. He said... He uh, mentioned if Cody Martin can shoot, then he could become a good rotational player. And the, and the, the piece about Cody, it was titled, um, If Cody Martin Can Shoot. And so he goes into some of the things that he likes. He shows some clips on how good of a cutter he is to help out the offense. And I think that was certainly noticeable. Like just understanding the game. It, you, you talk about basketball IQ, which might be a little mentioned a little too much regarding some players. Yeah. But, but he knows, man, like he has the feel and instincts pretty immediately upon entering the NBA, an older player coming out of Nevada because he transferred yeah. from NC State, but I think you could see that showcase itself pretty well. Now, the other thing that I do remember about him is that once he started really being okay with being in the league, he started taking on people at the rim because how many times did you think, yeah. did you start talking about him as like, I wish he would have flushed <laughs> that because it would have done so much because, again, him and his brother, there's. I, I hate to call. Yeah, I feel like that was more. Is that more Caleb? I, or was they're that, both were, like were sneaky they both trying athletic. To dunk on you? Yeah. yeah, they were both like sneaky athletic where they were both trying to dunk on you and yam on you at every every occasion. And it was kind <laughs> of refreshing because they would do something that we wouldn't see Miles do. And if Miles had that kind of tenacity attacking the rim, we'd be talking about a completely different player. So continuing to read what Zach Lowe wrote, he said, Charlotte has scored 1.253 points per possession on any trip featuring Cody Martin in the pick and roll. And that was the 13th highest wow. at the point of this article and such a figure among 280 players who are included, who have run at least 25 such plays per second spectrum data. Now he also says that that number is a little misleading because Martin has only run 103 pick and rolls and scores poorly out of them himself. But he also mentions that he might leave teammates with small advantages that make the next play a little easier for them. Martin also sports the 16th lowest turnover rate among those 280 players. And I think that's pretty noticeable. He does relatively yeah, take care of You don't kill the ball. the ball. Yeah, usually he does. Like there's been some bad turnovers from him, but I think for the most part, he does do a good job of taking care of the basketball. And I think the handles, like actually, I think 
I think he can work on his handles a little bit more. They're already pretty good for that size yeah. being in the NBA, which the defense, of course, is going to be better than college. But I think he can even get a tighter handle and, and make him even more reliable at the point. One and, thing that just facilitating the offense. One thing that we do talk about, uh, again, we've talked about how do you get your time and how do you get your reps in. One thing you can functionally work on by yourself in a pandemic right now is your handle. So if his handle doesn't come out tighter, and that's one thing that's going to probably be an indictment on him. And what about Jay Hernandez, the handle doctor? Yeah, like Jay Hernandez, again, having Jay <laughs> Hernandez in camp, in camp, and I probably, again, and Jay Hernandez is someone that we want to get on the show. I want to put that out there right now. So if anyone is listening. I don't know why you would do that. Joe, we, what, we, what we do, Nada, is we need to under-promise and over-deliver, and what you're doing is over-promising, and we're going to under-deliver. I'm manifesting guests right now. Thank you very much, Walker. In a way that we're not going to bring them on. Okay, fine. But I do, I want Jay Hernandez. Yes. And he is the handle doctor. And I want to see him participating in those Kimba Walker dribbling drills before games with Cody Martin and all of these guys. But yeah, I, I think that's something that certainly will help Cody facilitate the offense. And real quickly, before we head to the second segment, Zach Lowe would finish this piece about Cody Martin. He would say he is 14 of 64 at that time. He was shooting 22% from deep. And he says, until that changes, he is a backup on a bad team and a breaking case of emergency deep reserve on a good one but if it does change martin could become a legitimate rotation guy his peripheral numbers assists rebounding and steals indicates that he is a smart role player and if you get that guy in the second round you take that every single day of the week yeah you do and he's like i said he's raja bell if he gets a shot right i love the player comparisons i never know what player you're going to grab but, but deep you from see, within that brain but you see but you but you see it though you see it with him i mean but raja is a, a good three-point shooter though right like i don't know if that's something that i would be comparing him to if his shot become again if he if he gets the shot right he's raja bell um let me I'm trying to pull up the stats. You maybe do it. Yeah, he shot 40% from three. Not a like, like, I mean, if he shoots 40%, that'd be amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that's yes. too much. No, it's not. Uh, no, it's not. To, to ask Cody Martin. I look, if that, he even rounds it up to 41 with Raja Bell's career, uh, hopefully defensively, man, I do remember playing with Rod because I used to love to play with those sons <laughs> in, in, in NBA live. And I remember the little icons that you had and he had always the lock emblem yeah. next to his name. And so Raja Bell being that lockdown defender, Cody Martin certainly already has that a part of his game. Uh, start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boudou and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping up our world. We'll talk a little bit more about Cody Martin, kind of expectations going forward. Maybe he has a better player comparison coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to yeah, be back. Great to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I think Zach Lowe probably put it together well at the end when he discusses in that piece that I just read in the first segment that 
you know, it, it's a part of the thing that he likes, but mm-hmm. also it's not like we need to completely lose our minds that he can be the next Devonte Graham, Nada, because yeah. I like Cody Martin a lot. Obviously, yes. we're talking about him, and all of this is under a positive realm. But I don't know if it's ever going to be the Devonte Graham type of explosion where he is getting consideration to become an All Star at the midway point of any season that he plays. But he could be a really good rotational player, and even for me just look if he shoots 35 36 percent from three if he becomes an average three-point shooter and even gets a little bit better of course then yeah that's going to be extremely valuable with all the other things that he can do yeah that's the thing i expect him closer to 38 i i think that once you get his shot right you like it that much huh? i do i do and i i wasn't one of those that was really high on cody martin like you and he proved me wrong because again he the kid has no fear and that's the one thing I'm noticing with him. When he attacks the rim, he has no fear. If he gets that shot to 38%, then that slashing ability becomes a lot better. And if that slashing ability is improved and the shot is improved, you're talking, like I said, you're talking Rajah Bell. With, with that kind of defense, you're talking about Rajah Bell. And he ends up being a cornerstone for your franchise. And now, granted, building fran- franchise cornerstones out of second round picks is nice, but. Like at the same time, you—it's just one of those things. Like I'm a lot more hype for him than I thought I would be one year in. Oh sure, well no, we can completely agree on that. You look at the shooting numbers in college. You know, he he shot 36% from three in college. He shot 76% from the charity stripe in college. And so you know, I guess the numbers shouldn't be as bad as they are compared to those shooting numbers. But again, he didn't do it on a huge sample size. He shot about three attempts from beyond the arc per game in his last season. And I, I sh- I'm saying in college, and what I really mean is his last season at Nevada. If you look at his career in college as a whole, it, he only shot 33% yeah. from three and he shot 69% from the free throw line. So I, I hopefully it's something that he can continue to work on. But what I will say is this, the Hornets have done a pretty good job of turning people into shooters. And that was true yeah. with Steve Clifford's camp. But also I think what you saw from Caleb Martin, who actually I feel like kind of changed his shot motion a little yes. bit more. Yes, he did. As the season went on, you know, I I trust that staff to get the best out of these shooters. And even Devontae, like, look, Devontae was awful shooting the ball in uh, his rookie season. Uh, the shooting percentage was really, really bad. And of course, you look at what he did the first half of the season, at least that guy is a crazy capable three point shooter. Exactly. And that's what that's that's why I continue to have faith in him. That's why I can McDaniels. Mc, yeah. Exactly. McDaniels. Like, I believe in the development. I de- believe in the development of this guy, the Charlotte Hornets development yeah. staff. And it all goes back to Nick Friedman. It goes back to those the entire Greensboro staff, no matter who it may be. I have faith in this coaching staff to develop the guys to be what they need, what they have an idea for them to be right now. And again, we just have to also remember, even if these shot numbers, shot percentage numbers go down next year, and it's a good possibility that it might, at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean development isn't happening. It just means that, again, development, as we talk about on this podcast a lot, isn't a straight line. It's not a straight line up. There's some... Yeah. Again, it's a roller coaster sometimes. Yeah, and and I wonder what players that we are so high on within I think correct context. I wonder what 
what of those guys go down next season, you know, because when we, when we talk about a guy like Jason Tatum as an example, yeah. right. And I, you know, just throwing out the Kyrie Irving stuff that happened last year, the working with Kobe Bryant, whatever, yeah. right. Like I understand there's some outside factors, but just as far as measuring a player's success on a scale of how you improve each year, you're, we mentioned it's not on an escalator where it constantly goes up. And I think Tatum is one of those really good examples where we're already tabbing him as a future superstar after his rookie season. The second season has people really scared after yep. what he did. And then the third season, especially late, he develops into an all NBA performer. Exactly. And we start thinking that he's going to be the, the future cornerstone for Boston. Um, the guy that I expect to go down, if I'm kind of honest, PJ, I think PJ is the obvious one. The shooting percentage, I think, is still going to be good enough there. I actually think P.J., I, I hope that he improves. I, I, I just think that P.J. is someone that didn't do too much that had me going, oh, well, there's no way he can keep this up. I, I, I didn't see that from him. I think it's the, I think the three-point percentage is the thing that I worry about. With see, I'm, I'm worried about, I think McDaniels is my option because McDaniels comes in and he shoots close to 40% on spot-ups. And yeah. I, I think, I don't think that shot's broken. I just think like, okay, that was pretty it, unexpected. It's mechanical though. That that release is kind of mechanical. So I, I, I like it. I like it. And I think defensively he's good. I just think that maybe McDaniels probably did a little bit more than I expected. And if I had to give you, and I'm, I'm telling you, I like McDaniels. If I had to give you a candidate as far as who could be that guy that takes that dip in production, maybe we don't feel as good about. I think McDaniels is the guy that I put out there, Ooh. even if I, even if I like him. Do you, uh, let me give you one more name and we'll get into it. Once we get into his player capsule, I think it's Devante. Well, Devonte Graham might go down. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he's already a hard eval a little bit as far as what his ceiling is. The thing about Devonte that makes me feel good about him is the fact that the Hornets were still better with him on the floor than they weren't, and yeah. when they were when he was not, and he was still a good facilitator. I still felt like he made good decisions, and I, I hope that we can get the same kind of shooting percentage just more consistently. Like, I hope it's not so dissected in the middle. Even at the end of that game where uh, even at the end of the season where he shot well against Miami, it was a pretty damn, you know, middle split of the first half. He was really good shooting. The second half, he he wasn't really bad. I hope we get the same shooting percentage just more consistently throughout the year. Again, we have to save that for the player capsule for his player capsule because we haven't talked about it, but. Like, Devontae's the guy I worry about. I really do. Going back to Cody Martin, he won the uh, Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year. He showcased immediately that his defense was very good. He was the best perimeter defender on the Charlotte Hornets bar none. I think he was a good decision maker. I think it was somebody that you could rely on to handle the ball for you. And I think as long as he continues to improve his handles and maybe erase some of the bad turnovers that he had, which I think only will come with age and experience in the NBA, then I really am pretty high on Cody Martin being a, a good role player with the Charlotte Hornets team as they continue to move forward. He can be, a, again, he can grow into a top seven rotational guy on a good team. And that for a set, And again, the shot is the biggest thing. Shot is the biggest thing. Yep. And if he, like I said, if he does that, he's Rosh Habal. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going okay. off that corner. All right. Uh, that was the evaluation for the dimmer switch. Cody Martin here on the Charlotte Hornets roster. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with one more segment to go on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm, I'm a little, I listen, hold on. I, now see. Uh, I, we couldn't just blow by that one. Well, you had because this is what frustrates me. You know I'm uh, under the weather. You know I'm not at 100% right now, and you're you're just taking it to me. You're like one of these people that knew Nick Bat- Batum had a hand injury, and they were just slapping his hand. 
because it's like we're gonna get we're gonna knock this guy's hand because we know he's injured and that's what you're doing to me right now but i just want to say sam if you're listening you're more than a numbers guy you have heart you have soul you have agency you are a person love you sam it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Nada, we might have some news on some competitive basketball being able to uh, be played for the Charlotte Hornets and the Elite Eight teams. Okay. So Sam Amick comes out with a report that the NBA is considering allowing the eight teams that did not make it to the bubble into Walt Disney World and for training after the eliminated teams depart Orlando. So you would get your bubble. It wouldn't be a second one. It would actually be the original one, and we would just have to wait for the eliminated teams to clear out. What do you think of this plan? So the NBA is giving the Hornets the hand-me-down bubble. They are giving the Hornets the hand-me-down so bubble, basically, but it's better than no bubble. So so we're af- so after you have to sanitize everything for those people that have been in there. Well, sanitize for what, at least right now, has is a non Infected bubble. Yeah, non-infected bubble, but you still got to sanitize everything to, Absolutely. to the hilt. So you have to do all of that. And then on top of that, you're going to basically – so the Hornets are going to get the, the, like the hand-me-down overalls. Do you not want this? You want that? I know you want this. I want this, but I at the same time, it's like, come on, guys. These so what? Do you, you're you're saying you want an entirely new bubble for the Hornets? Yes. Or you, what's wrong with having a new bubble? Because, There's Disneyland out in California, guys. But <laughs> let's go. I say I say this is a fine idea that you put them as soon as the eliminated teams are gone. If you want to bring them to Orlando to give these teams something then that would be the thing to do because one, you already know the layout of the land. True. You can restock those ponds and all those lakes that the players were catching some really monster bass out of. Even, st- yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to restock. <laughs> you can still have the ping pong tables there even if you don't allow doubles. Like you just know the lay of the land more. And if it worked for a lot more teams and you want to bring in a new set of teams, yeah, you can sanitize stuff, but again, you're sanitizing something that wasn't infected. Now, we'll see exactly what happens as we go forward, but right now, it is working well. I I like this idea, not if they're able to do it, and it gives these teams something to do to work on for the next season, and it's still going to be far enough out to where I don't think it's going to... Uh, the fatigue is going to bleed into the next season that comes up. Then this is something that I think that works out pretty well. No, it it, it should work out pretty well. I'm I'm kind of like you want the Hornets to get more respect than hand me down. I, I I do. And again, hand me downs is such a triggering thing because I got my father's hand me downs. I'm tired of seeing hand me downs in everything that I like to watch. Thank you very much. I I think I the coolest thing that I got hand me down wise. I got hand me down jerseys, and so I was the kid. Oh, and I was the kid that was going to basketball camp that was sporting the Charles Barkley jersey that was sporting the. Of course. Wally Zerbiak jersey. Yes. <laughs> yes. My white brother, my white brother had Wally Zerbiak jersey. And you know what else he had? What else? My white brother had a white chocolate Jason Williams Kings jersey. No, which you is, weren't the stereotype. Oh, I was the stereotype. Walker. But I also had some cool ones, though. I had a Joe Dumars USA jersey. I like that oh. one. That was like the, Whoa. what, the second Dream yeah, Team USA? Sec- Dream Team 2, yeah. Um, Dream Team 2 jersey. So that one was kind of cool. Uh, man, I loved the jerseys that I had. It had Antoine Walker one, which, of course, was sporting my name on the back. Of, of course. It, which I thought was cool. Yes. So I those were all my jerseys that were kind of handed down to me, oh, and uh, I felt like that was cool. I, I didn't I mind at all that I got the, the stereotype. Hand-me-down. I cannot believe you were the stereotype walker. The Zerbiak one is bad. 
No, no, the Jason Williams one is worse no, than the Zerbiak. No, the chocolate one is great. No, you're kidding me, man. No, because you, everybody was a poser using that one. Yeah, but you got a, but you love white chocolate. Like you look at his shoot. It's funny because I actually don't like looking up his stats because it's like, oh man, that boy could not shoot. He was pretty. No, awful, he was horrible. But he was so fun. Again, like, do you know what you know what white chocolate was? He what? was the, he was the. I'm actually, I'm not even going to do that. I'm not going to get myself in trouble today. Yeah, I'm easy. not going to get what myself. What are you doing? In, I'm not. It's a Friday. I'm trying to make sure that I'm recording this on Monday. So but, no. White chocolate, though, man. Like the Jason, I'll take. I'll rock that Kings jersey any day of the week. You give okay. me Kings white chocolate. I'm cool with that. But yes, the Wally Zerbiak one, like that one's embarrassing. Uh, I don't think I had a Dirk Nowitzki. I don't think I had any thankfully, other white jersey. Thankfully, yeah. there was a Larry Bird, of course. Of course, there was. You're from Indiana. You should. Indiana, baby. French lick. Indiana has. A new state bird. That'll do it for this edition of the Lockdown Hornets podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks again to Axios, and make sure you guys are checking those out. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Rejecting the Screen, and really any show, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We need to do the spinning wheel of names. Thank you for reminding, because I forgot too. We have Devontae Graham, we have Kayla Martin, we have Malik Monk, and we have a combined episode of Marvin Williams and MKG. I am spinning the wheel. The player evaluations are running thin as we speak, and we're going to do, of course, the other Martin twin. We get Kayla Martin. <laughs> this yeah. is what you get. I know. This is exactly what you get for doing this. If you think about it, we probably could have just put him in the last segment and done one segment on Kayla Martin. Yes. But Kayla will get like one and a half. We'll give him one and a half. Uh, well, again, we have an entire weekend of basketball, so that's true. Caleb's going to have to deal with like sharing stuff with his twin. I think it worked out pretty well. So okay. Caleb Martin will be coming up on Monday uh, as well as a recap of what happened in the NBA over what's going to happen this next weekend. Make sure you guys have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday.